0: this mini lecture is about giving instructions there's a very specific way uh, to plan and give instructions I'm going to be going through that step by step today and a lot of information about what does and doesn't work with instructions all right so here's giving instructions okay how to give instructions instructions on instructions all right It's not a simple matter of common sense there's a right way to give instructions and a lot of wrong ways giving good instructions will help your instructional routines your teaching routines go well all right step by step here's how you give instructions number one you need to visualize and plan your instructions for every instructional activity and for some non-instructional activities too. Now visualize and plan means that's part of your lesson planning. Um, Very often teachers, particularly inexperienced teachers, will plan a lesson activity and they will just assume that they understand how to give instructions to students for the lesson activity. Uh, All this effort on planning the activity and little or no effort in planning the instructions. You need to plan your instructions. If it's very complicated activity, you need to write your instructions out for yourself. You may also need to write them out for students. If you're going to move students around, actually look at the space. For example, if you're going to take students to the gym for some kind of activity, and you think, well, I've been to the gym, you still need to go take a good look at the path. How are you going to take those students? Are you going to line them up? Uh, Are there doors to go through? Are there problem areas? Are there areas where you might lose students? Whatever, just take a look at the terrain. Uh, Same thing for your classroom. If you're going to have some kind of complicated activity with movement, um, don't plan the instructions at home unless you are so familiar with your classroom, you know that you've thought of every contingency. Uh, Take a look at the space if there's gonna be movement. All right, don't take anything for granted. Visualize and plan your instructions. Go through them sequentially. Look at, well, I'm gonna have my uh, handouts here, and I will give those out. And then when they get to the second part, they will come over here and uh, put the handouts at, that they've completed there and then they're going to pick up this second handout plan your instructions again if they're complicated write them out visualize them spend some time on those instructions all right visualize and plan number two get students full attention before you start giving instructions Very important. All right. Don't give instructions until you're sure you have students' full attention. Otherwise, you're going to have to repeat them, and you'll get total confusion and uproar. Some of your students heard the instructions, and they go ahead and start, and some don't, and and there's just this giant uproar. Um, At the first of the year, you need to establish your signal for, I need your full attention everybody's attention now Uh, some teachers do uh, something like eyes on me or some teachers walk to the front of the room and they say I need your attention whatever it is you set it up Um, uh, teachers of young children may have a gesture like you put your hand in the air or um, uh, you whatever plan it Lock it into place early in the year. This is my signal for I need your full attention. Okay. All right. Visualize and plan. Get full attention. You've got everybody's attention. Everybody's looking at you. Everybody's listening to you. Or at least as much as possible, you've got them all listening to you. Uh, there may always remember there are a couple of them at any given time whose minds are in Pittsburgh. All right. Then you give steps one, two, three. As part of your planning and visualizing, you need to break your instructions into steps one, two, three. Step one, step two, step three. All right, put them in order. You remember we talked earlier about flip-flops. Teachers commonly make Um, flip-flops. It's real bad if you make a flip-flop in instructions because you're going to get students all confused. So plan one, two, three, and put your steps in order. And that's the way you present it to students. First, next, then, step one, step two, step three. Get your act together, get it planned, get it in order, and that's how you give your instructions to students. Now, if you have slow students or immature students, uh, maybe students who are difficult to work with, or you're starting to... Introduce some new procedure, like how we do lab work in this biology class. You may want to actually overteach your instructions. Um, for example, you may want to have students do step one, stop, and you check. If they didn't get it right, you may w- want to back them up and have do- have them do step two over again you may want them to practice step one until they get it. everybody gets it right. So you may have students do step one, stop, you check, step two, stop, you check, step three, and walk them through the instruction step by step so that they are only thinking about and doing one step at a time. All right, visualize and plan. Get their full attention. Give your steps one, two, three. Demonstrate or work. So you've given steps one, two, three, and now you're gonna demonstrate whatever the activity is or the procedure, and you're gonna work some examples, whatever. All right, um, before you let students start on the activity, you go over and you just, you go over the, the activity and you demonstrate it. You work problems on the marker board or on an overhead, or you have a student get up and demonstrate how we go up here and pick up the lab equipment for our partner, okay? Whatever it is, you work through it, you demonstrate it, you work problems, you illustrate it. You do two or three of these as a form of checking comprehension and then you let the class work the rest of the exercises or do whatever it is individually. You let them proceed. All right, visualize a plan, get the full attention, give steps one, two, three, demonstrate or work those problems or exercises, have them demonstrate the process, you demonstrate it, have them demonstrate it, whatever. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Okay, I repeat, 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 repeat. Okay, generally you have to repeat instructions two or three times for most groups of students. Now there are some teachers who have a one time only rule. And we've talked earlier about uh, Lee Cantor's rule that you follow directions first time given. You can still have a rule follow directions first time given, and while students start, you repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, If you're going to have the one time only rule, That takes a lot of energy you can do it and it I've seen it work quite well it takes a lot of energy to have that as a rule lock it in place and enforce it so it's your choice Uh, most teachers repeat instructions okay now we've talked earlier about the students who immediately immediately start squeaking and fussing I don't understand I don't understand We talked about this uh, in conjunction with Frederick Jones' concept of efficient help and in conjunction with the concept of learned helplessness. At that time, I suggested that one approach to this is built into your instructions as sort of the final instruction and your routine procedure. If you don't understand, I'm gonna ask you to start on your own and try to do this activity As best you can for two minutes and I'm going to time it at the end of two minutes I will look at everybody's work and I will tell you right or wrong but you start making the effort first okay Um, it it really helps with that particular brand of learned helplessness all right so here we go visualize and plan get full attention Give steps one two three demonstrator work repeat 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 which is what I'm doing right now post the instructions And find some way to post the instructions so students can refer back to them now how you do that um, on a handout you want to put the instructions at the top of the handout you may write them on your chalkboard marker board you may put up a transparency uh, if, if it's a computer-type activity, you may want to post it on the computer, uh, on your web page, whatever. You want to put it there so students can refer back to it. Uh, just incidentally, if you have non-readers, you may want to use pictures or diagrams, or with them, you may want to walk them through the instruction step-by-step step, since they can't readily go back and reread, okay? but you want the instructions there if it's a standard procedure you may want to post it permanently on the wall or whatever so you post it again if you remember the concept of efficient help and not uh, not getting sucked into students who have learned helplessness who have learned to be helpless posting instructions is a good way to help you with that because you can always say to the student read the instructions again or Read the instructions and tell them to me. Uh, Look at the second step here. Now, you've done the first step. What does the second step say? And have the student tell you. All right, now, do that. So posting instructions. And it's also good for the student who just legitimately discovers that he or she doesn't remember or doesn't understand. Read those instructions again. Um I have seen a teacher, for example, whose uh, procedure was, anytime she gave instructions, she gave them in a written form. And she asked the students, read the instructions silently to yourself twice before you raise your hands and ask me to hand and ask me to come help me, help you. Okay? Post those instructions. Visualize and plan, get full attention give steps one, two, three, demonstrator work, repeat, 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 post the instructions, check comprehension. I have referred to this previously. Uh, It's just a general part of teaching, Uh, a constant orientation as you go along of finding out if they're understanding you. One of my frustrations in this kind of teaching when I lecture on videotape without any students to interact with, and I just talk, 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 I don't have that ability to ask my students uh, questions, like um, check comprehension. I would ask them, have you ever sat in a class and had a teacher ask you, do you understand, and you didn't understand, and you didn't say so? Usually my students sit there and say, yeah, okay? Now that is a way for me to check their comprehension of the concept of checking comprehension, okay? So checking comprehension, finding out if they're with you, if they're understanding, okay? Several ways to do this. All right, good ways to check comprehension. Find out if they understand your instructions. One is to have them answer questions about the instruction. Say, Michael, now what's the first thing you're gonna do? All right, very good. Uh, Kathy, when you finish that, now what's the second thing you're going to do? Excellent. Fine. Um, Having students work sample exercises. They work the first one, and you say, how many of you got 32? Every hand goes up, you're okay. Uh, Some hands go up, some don't. All right, then we go back over it and we discuss. All right, step one, you did this, step two, you did this. Okay, now, if you didn't get this, then what you did wrong was and didn't. So you go back over and then you work another one. And you see that they understand it before you let them go ahead. Um, Having students tell you what they're supposed to do, this is a very good technique. Um, I use it with my own traditional college classes, particularly when I give homework assignments, at the end of class I say now what are you supposed to do before the next class and I have someone tell me uh, we're supposed to read chapter 32 and we're supposed to do this assignment asking students what are you supposed to do okay Uh, having students demonstrate for the class Um, you have to be careful about timing because you'll have a lot of dead time if you do this but, for example, with the math problem, you could have students come to the board and work the problem for the whole class. Again, you be careful that there's not a, not a, not a lot of dead time while that's happening. But if, you, if it's going to work, you can go ahead and try that. Um, you can have a student come up to the front of the room and demonstrate the proper lab procedure for everybody. Uh, you can have students at their lab bench demonstrate the the proper way to do the first step and you check okay and also spending there's a word left out here spending time answering their questions this is very good Um, you don't want to just say any questions all right but if you do get questions and you give the opportunity for questions you answer the questions all right bad ways, lousy ways to check comprehension. One is just asking students if they understand what to do. If you say to a class, okay, everybody understand? What you'll often get is this, wall to wall, everybody just do this. There are all kinds of students out there who don't understand and they won't say so. Uh, They may be embarrassed, they don't want to look stupid, Uh, they weren't paying attention and they don't want to admit they weren't paying attention. You may have students who are so confused but they don't know that they don't understand. You may have students who think they understand, but when they start into it, they'll discover they didn't understand. So simply asking, do you understand, is not enough. Um, It would be all right to ask that as your first question. Do you understand? You get all those nods. Then you go on to the really effective ways, like saying, Marie, okay, Marie, tell us, what you're going to do first, give us that first step, okay? Or, uh, Michael, tell me what you're supposed to do for this activity. So you go from that general, okay, are you awake out there, do you understand, to the more specific technique. Um, Asking quickly if they have any questions. Okay, anybody got any questions? And it's pretty obvious that you are just really not open to questions, you're moving along. If you ask, are there any questions, you need to skip a few beats to give a time for questions to emerge in the mind, and then the connection between the mind and the hand going up saying, I don't understand. Can you tell me? Whatever. So if you say, are there any questions? one way to slow that process down is to ask that question in a way that focuses them on their comprehension for saying for example saying to students all right now I've gone over these instructions twice what I want you to do is look at the written instructions read them just think for just a few seconds about if you think you understand and then if you have a question, raise your hand. So you focus their attention on the instructions on their paper or maybe on the uh, video projection and have them just take a little break and then see if they have any questions. Um, and the worst, of course, is letting students start the activity without any evidence that they don't understand. Okay. So make sure they understand before you go on the next most important thing is you need to build a hold this is kind of like we're backing up here we've been doing all this stuff you know we have one two three here are your instructions we're going to go over them. we're going to repeat 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 we're going to demonstrate or how do you get them to sit still through all of that and pay attention the answer is you build in a hold A hold is anything you do to get students to not start on the activity until you're completely all the way through your instructions and understand that they comprehend. Uh, And you may have had this experience. If If you start giving instructions, some students are going to assume real early that they know what to do and start on it. They may actually be students who understand and they're ready to get on it. They may also be students who are impulsive. They may be students who think they understand. They may be students who think that they don't need to listen to you. Um, The kind of person who uh, orders something in a box and starts putting it together before, without reading the instructions ever, and then they have to back up and correct their mess bottom line is you want them to sit still and not start and pay attention until you are all the way through the instruction sequence if you do this it is not a waste of time because you get better compliance better uh, less chaotic instructional routines and guess what students learn better when they get off on the right foot and do uh, the activity correct all right so how do you hold them in place how do you lock them in place while you go through your instructional routine all the way through check comprehension well there's a bunch of ways um, some common examples one would be not distributing some essential part of the activity until you have finished your instructions they can't get their hands on it they can't they can literally start the activity because they don't have some component for example If you're going to have a map exercise and the map comes on a handout, you don't distribute the handout. Instead, you project an example of it with an overhead projector, or you have a chart, or you have a video projector, whatever. You show the handout, the map exercise, and you go over the instructions, and you maybe do the first two or three questions, whatever it is. You give the instructions before they get the vital piece for doing the activity. In this case, the handout. There are all sorts of ways to do this. You just don't distribute whatever it is. Um, Another one is having students put their pencils down and look at you until you are finished. Many teachers do this. Pencils down. You cannot start on this activity because your hands don't have a pencil in them. And uh, depending on the age of the student and the nature of the student you may also want those little hands on top of the desk no pencil you can't start writing look at me Um, another example having oh let me back up a little bit and this is a flip-flop if you're working with a computer for example a very good instructional uh, requirement would be no hands on the keyboard if I'm either teaching or giving instructions you cannot have your hands on the keyboard and I don't want to hear any soft click 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 in the back you have your hands off the keyboard and you have your eyes on me um, as you know that computer bright computer screen is very attractive your whole might be turn your monitor off hands off the keyboard turn your bodies toward me if you're in a lab type situation And put your eyes on me when I'm either teaching, giving information, or giving you instructions. So that's a a more contemporary example of the same thing as pencils down. Okay? Um, Giving students their paper, having students put their papers face down until you turn them over, tell them to turn the paper over and begin. Okay? Again, you're sort of keeping the hands off. No pencil, no look at the paper. If the paper is very attractive, What you're doing is removing the visual stimulus so they have to look at you have to look at you demonstrating and working all right another example is simply telling students not to start now don't start until I finish the instructions and give you the signal to start Um, again at the beginning of the year you tell them your signal or you teach them your signal for when to start okay Tell them not to start, monitor, tell them when to go. All right, now, here's a special circumstance that gives people, uh, beginning teachers, a lot of trouble. And in fact, I've seen experienced teachers have a lot of trouble with this. And it is dividing students into group, groups. Years ago, I saw some wonderful videotapes that an education professor had made. What she did was have some designed lessons, pre designed lessons, and then she asked experienced teachers to teach the pre designed lessons, and then she asked student teachers to teach the pre designed lessons. One of them was a pre designed lesson involving dividing third graders into groups for an activity. Difference between the experienced teacher and the student teacher was remarkable. The student teacher simply had the students count off, which is a very common way of dividing people into groups. 1, One, two, three, four. Okay. Then she said, "All right, group one." There. Immediately, groups groups one's people started moving. Some of them. Group two some move three four and some of them couldn't remember their number now you think we just went over that and they said one two three four and they can't remember that long yeah uh, some people will not remember that long what happens is they have all sorts of things going on with their visual and auditory input when you say group one over there their mind is over here and What she got was chaos, kids wandering around saying where am I, where am I supposed to be, and she didn't know because she'd had them count off and you know to figure it out you'd have to go back and say uh, seat 1, seat 2, seat 3, and who's absent, and total uproar. The experienced teacher taught the same lesson. What she did was uh, the same thing where she had students count off but she said up front now it's very important that you remember what number you are so she had them do like I'm in group number one I'm in group number two I'm in group number three so as she said one two three four she had the students give her the signal back and they instantly had a reminder I'm in group one now she did not allow them to move she said now I'm going to tell you where each group will be meeting. And when I tell you where your group is meeting, I want you to point to that direction. So she said, group, meet, group 1 will be meeting here. Now, everybody with Group 1, one finger up, point to Group 1. And then she looked carefully and saw everybody was pointing in the right direction. All right, now... Put your hands down, group one. Group two, where are you? Yes, they're my group twos. You will be meeting in that corner. Now, I want you to point in that corner. And sure enough, they all pointed, and she said, correct. Now, group two, on and on and on. A beginning teacher, an inexperienced teacher, or a teacher who just doesn't get it, might think, well, that's wasting time. That takes so long. But it is a very careful way systematically with kids who are eight years old and all kinds of things going on in their mind to make sure they know what their number is and where they're supposed to go. When she got all the way through her instructions and said, all right, now go to your groups and get started, every kid stood up and every kid went to the right place. It was like clockwork, all right? Here's what she understood. Arrange your instructions so that you hold all the students in whole group, physically and mentally, and you do not allow them to start moving into their groups or moving around the room until you've gone all the way through your process. Instructions for your activity and dividing into groups. Instructions for the activity first, check comprehension then instructions if you if that's what you need to do for dividing into the groups and then and only then do you say go move okay so uh, watch uh, speakers workshop presenters and how they divide people into groups it's often very chaotic okay now here are steps visualize and plan get full attention give those steps one two three Demonstrate work, repeat, 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 post the instructions, check comprehension, build in a hold. And if you've done all these things correctly, you tell them to start the activity. Now, again, from the beginning of the year, you give them real clear signals about when you are finished with instructions. And they need to start with the activity, start the activity Now or in some cases, at a preset time. Uh, now, if you, if you have instructions now and they do it later, uh, you have a special problem, which is like the human mind and memory. But if you set up your activity and your instructions carefully, you can have those instructions to be started at a later time. Particularly, for example, if you're working with one group and you want uh, other groups to do activity A, close it out, put it up, pick up activity B, you may need that kind of multiple sets of instructions. Um, if you go in a classroom that looks like it runs itself, that's often very deceptive, particularly for beginning teachers, because they look around and they think, oh, hey, this is nice. Kids just work this way. Kids just This is the way classrooms run. It is not the teacher set up all those procedures and routines from day one and she knows how to give instructions Uh, if you give good instructions you're much more likely to get good compliance from your students now one more time you build in that hold now I'm repeating this is going to help you you visualize and plan you get full attention You give steps one, two, three, demonstrate work, repeat, 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 post the instructions, check comprehension, and then, and only then, do you tell them to go. All right, now, you know how to give instructions. I'm gonna talk about what to do when you mess up. All right, if you mess up. Okay, you know you messed up. On instructions when you find yourself going from student to student or from group to group repeating the instructions helping students learn and understand what they're supposed to do or if you see a lot of non-compliance and a lot of goofing off those are clues real clues that your instructions were lousy I repeat if you find yourself going from group to group individual to individual trying to get them started on the activity trying to explain those instructions again well it's a clue that they didn't that you didn't give instructions very well it's not just one or two clueless students it's a bunch of them or if you see a lot of them not doing the activity goofing off many students who don't understand will not ask you what am I supposed to be doing or I legitimately don't understand they'll just goof off, do nothing. Now when that happens, what you do, very simple, you make a full stop on the activity for the whole class. Sometimes if you started people into groups, you may even want them to come back and reform the whole class. Maybe yes, maybe no, but you get everybody's full attention, you make a full stop on the activity, it's not working right anyway, stop it, get everybody's full attention, re-explain the instructions correctly, the way you should, all the way through checking comprehension, and then you make a full start on the activity again. Okay, I hope you uh, take take these steps to heart, And I hope you become an expert at at giving great, great instructions. It will do a whole lot for your instruction. Take care. Bye-bye.